Welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in heritage and the culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. This episode is a part of a series of programs in partnership with the Memorial University graduate course, Folk 6740, Public Folklore, and the Craft Council of Newfoundland, to document craft traditions in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador. My name is Ella McCutcheon, and today I am interviewing Anna Murphy. So Anna Murphy is a natural dye artist from St. John's, Newfoundland. Inspired by her travels and adventures, she recently moved to Bonavista, Newfoundland to open a dye studio and shop. She serves on the board of directors for the Craft Council of Newfoundland and Irish heritage organization, Newfoundland Rose of Trowley. Anna also works in small business development with the International Economuse Network. Welcome to the show, Anna. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Um, when did you start crafting? Well, uh, my parents would probably say that I've been really interested in making my entire life, but uh, I was in university doing business here at Memorial University, and I was also working in clinical research um, to go to med school. And wow. I had done a couple courses at the Anna Templeton Center, just adult weekend classes making jewelry. And a good friend of mine, uh, Kiri, was opening the Salmon Cove Community Market. And uh, she asked if I wanted to come sell some jewelry. And that kind of got me thinking. And I ended up applying to the textile studies program here in St. John's. And from there, I just started making and developing products. And I haven't really stopped since then. Nice. So what is your favorite type of craft that you do? Dye work is my favorite thing in the entire world um my partner kind of rolls his eyes at me because i could spend 20 hours in the dye studio in bonavista um just happy as long as there's you know (laughs) some tea going around and uh just being able to create the colors out of you know natural materials and also something i'm really interested in is uh natural dyes change based on their pH levels and temperature combinations. So, you know, in theory, there are unlimited levels of color within each natural product. And that's something that I'm really excited about. Yeah, for sure. Um, Earlier, we had talked about you foraging. Yes. I think that is so cool. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about um, what it means to forage and what kind of things that you get? Well, um, I learned most of my natural dye skills from a local dye artist, Susan Furneaux. So I have learned from her in school, and since then, I've been very fortunate to go kind of collecting with her as well. And uh, when I'm foraging, it could just be on a walk with my friends, or it could be, you know, just I'm driving and I haul over on the side of the road because I see a huge goldenrod patch. Um, So, you know, foraging normally is kind of spontaneous but I, I always I typically know what I'm looking for sometimes I don't and I like to do tests on different leaves and things that I'm not too sure I can even identify so that's been really rewarding to kind of learn more about the plants in the province that I had no mm-hmm. idea about before yeah and so you do plants you forage plants are there other things that you forage the main dyes that I use are um, insects roots plants and wood 
I forage and then I also have a beautiful dye garden in my backyard that my partner takes care of which I'm lucky to have that <laughs> and then I also have some sustainable harvesting resources around the world for colors that I just can't access here in the province. Mm-hmm. And earlier you said you had collected dyes from beetles? Yeah so I use cochineal beetles and cochineal is the number one natural food and cosmetic dye in the world and that's kind of where the eat your red ones last comes from because uh, red candies are often dyed with insects Um, but Mm -hmm. it's not red made in the lab so you know it's much it's much better for your body and harvesting cochineal from a small family-based farm even though it's not within Canada is uh, it's a good give back uh, to small business even if it is in Peru which is uh, really exciting and it's cool to see the family pictures that uh, the people who Mm -hmm. are actually collecting my dyes a good connection yeah definitely wow that sounds really awesome so what is your favorite type of dye to use logwood so logwood is also an exotic dye that i get internationally and the reason logwood is my favorite is because um it it's hard to work with um my base is that i really want my dyes to last 100 years and uh, so they have to be light fast and wash fast and Logwood is a little bit tricky. It's finicky and it doesn't like to stick around. But uh, when I get to play with the pH levels and the temperature levels and I can push this beautiful, beautiful violet to a dark navy or you can even push it to like reds and coppers and that is exciting because it changes and fluctuates the most and it's kind of cool capturing that color for a short while um, on fabric. Mm-hmm. And where does logwood come from? I get mine from um, Peru as well. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. So you have a like a small industry in Peru over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> ah, Peru and Newfoundland. Yeah, That's I know. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> My next question is, why do you think it is important to educate the public on the importance of and the value of craft in the province? Well, I mean, I think that craft is and always has been around us since we are born you know um, sometimes we don't think about all of the handmade mittens given to us by our grandmothers when we're small and you know the special recipes that we're surrounded with and the quilting and rug hooking and in Newfoundland we have an incredible tradition of textiles in the province and originally it was out of necessity and now um, I think that what's so wonderful is that we, are, we have been exposed to craft our entire lives, but um, I think that also when something when you've been surrounded by something your whole life, you sometimes miss the value. And I think that um, especially in a studio setting for me, when people come in and they are watching me work and they kind of see, especially felting, a giant pile of uh, dirty sheep fleece, and then they can see how I've processed it and turned it into um, a wearable garment. And that kind of uh, shows the value to them. And I mean, I think that craft is our legacy in Newfoundland and Labrador and knitting and rug hooking and quilting, they are traditions, but also it's really interesting because, you know, those are those are things we've been doing for a long time. And there's also new craft popping up. There's incredible ceramicists and dye artists and embroiderers here, and that is going to be our tradition into the future. So, you know, this is shaping our province and also it's an expression of who we are as people, which is important. 
Yeah. Um, so how have you done this? Do you work with community art programs? How do you sort of get involved with um, educating the public on the importance of craft? Well, I mean, I think that I am involved with Craft Council of Newfoundland, and now I serve on the board of directors, which has been excellent because, you know, I'm able to help out with the inner workings um, of the Craft Council, but also able to create connections within the communities and, um, you know, a membership with the Craft Council is very important because you're networking with other like-minded individuals, but it's also important just as a maker to promote high quality in your work and to be open with other people about your process and people people want to hear about how you make things and they're really interested in your process and who you are as a person and that's that is a direct connection with the products that they are looking at and they're buying or just just interested in seeing so um you know that that's kind of one way it's just to be open about your process and share with people and then also you know i was involved with the Kittivity Village Plantation, which is an incubation center for makers in Kittivity Village. And I was fortunate enough to do that program. And I think, you know, places like that are important because they also are just, it's just accessibility to craft. And sometimes um, I know like myself before I was, you know, kind of pushed like in the industry, I didn't understand how these things were made. And it's, it's easy to be shy about that. But uh, when you have access to these types of facilities and markets and people, it's a lot easier to figure out how they're made and see the appreciation and value there. Oh, so let's go back. I want to hear a little bit about felting. Okay. (laughs) Um, What does felting mean? So felting is basically using, I'm going to say, pressure and friction um, on fibers to make a new material. So there's different, I do two different types of felting. One is just felting with sheep's fleece. And basically in my process, I use layers of sheep's fleece, soap, water, and a lot of movement, um, mostly with my hands. And I'm able to take a big pile of sheep's fleece and turn it into a strong piece of fabric. Um, And then you can also do Nuno felting. And that directly means kind of like combining two fabrics or two types of fiber together so like silk and then sheep's fleece on top so you're making a beautiful light fabric even though it's very strong Mm -hmm. wow nice so where do the sheep um, materials come from to felt well i mean uh in newfoundland we do have a little bit of you can get sheep fleece locally um, most of mine, though, I will confess that I do not get here in the province. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know that there are some movers and shakers right now uh, looking at opening a uh, wool mill in the province. And that would be great because you could get your wool processed here. Mm-hmm. I mean, the big th- I did get some wool last year from Whitless Bay uh, right off of the sheep. And, you know, sheep are not clean little guys. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you have to you have to get the grass out and the dirt, which it's a long process. And then you have to cart mm-hmm. it, you have to uh, brush it, and then it has to be processed to do with what you, what you want to do with it. So um, you, I think that in the next 10 years, there will be lots of different type of sheep. Different sheep have different, uh, their fleece has different uses. Not everything is good for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's something that's going to be up and coming, which will be exciting for the makers in the province. Yeah, so do you combine your felting with your dyeing? Does that go together? So, I mean, ultimately, in a perfect 
uh, fantasy world, I would just get to dye fabric constantly. But you know, the the thing is, is you have to be able to sell your fabric. So um, I make things with it and clothing and accessories. But uh, right now I'm working on a gallery show and kind of combining layers and of interesting dye techniques kind of layered on top of each other and then felting on top of that. So it's felting is beautiful because it gives an incredible texture, especially to wall work or gallery work. And uh, you can create little three-dimensional sculptural pieces as well, which I really like because it, mm. it complements the dye work and kind of lets it speak a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So could you tell us um, a little bit about your gallery show? Sure. So my gallery show is uh, going to be at the Craft Council of Newfoundland and Labrador Main Gallery. It opens May 5th, and I'm having a dual show with Rosalind Ford. And the show is, uh, it's going to be, it's called Beach Exploration. But basically, we are uh, reaching into our imaginations and trying to come up with the types of creatures and homes that are missed when you are on the beach. Little caverns and holes um, that little little bugs and things can crawl into. And uh, that is what our show is going to be about. There's going to be some very interesting furniture and then also some um, wall work as well. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a cool show. Yeah, it sounds really cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so how do your pieces go together? Like what kind of art does she do and how does that fit in with your dyeing and your felting? Right, so uh, Roz in the past has basically created these amazing fabric sculptures of birds. And uh, Rosalind Ford is an ornithologist and uh, she has this incredible relationship with birds and is kind of able to show the public through her work the importance of our local birds uh, and the beauty of them as well. So she is going to kind of be highlighting the the scientific like Roz is going to be showing you know the shapes and the anatomically correct versions of these animals and then also really interesting uh, soft sculptures of maybe some animals that we are just kind of uh, imagining and then I'm going to be doing a little bit more work on sort of the habitats that they would be living in so it is a little bit of fantasy but also based very much off of our adventures on beaches around the province. Wow that's awesome and when did you say that's going to be? May 5th. May 5th. Yeah. Okay everybody (laughs) go to the gallery. (laughs) Great. Um, So speaking of the future what is your future in dying or what do you hope to um, achieve as you move forward in the craft world? Well, I love production work. I really enjoy, you know, Christmas times roll, rolls around and you spend three or four months in your studio working, 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 just making and making. And I really enjoy that. But then at the same time, uh, you know, you have a product line and your product line is to reflect your brand and, and reflect the products that you surround it with. Um, so then when you get to do gallery show work, it's also really rewarding because you kind of get to step a little bit outside of the medium you typically work in and you get to be, you know, it doesn't have to be a product that's going to sell. And that's, you know, something that I really enjoy. I like to work in um, doing some very large scale pieces now for my show coming up. So that's that's going to be, a, it's a, it has been a unique challenge because that's not uh, as large as I've worked before. Um, so, you know, I think, yes, I love production work and I 
think I'll be a maker forever, but I'm also now really geared towards you know, artist residencies and uh, gallery show work for the future. And another question, um, what is your favorite project that you've worked on? So I think that my favorite project I've ever done was actually in my graduate show at the textile studies program. And our show was called Stitch Please, uh, which <laughs> is a little sassy. Um, but I have a few tattoos, you know, and my grandmother hates them. And uh, I mean, she, she loves their meeting. One of, one of them's for my grandfather. And then that's based off of the name of my business. But I decided to do an image transfer of my mom, myself, and I, three different portraits, and I embroidered neck and face tattoos all over our portraits. Wow. (laughs) Um, And then those tattoos were birth dates and siblings and children and interests and, you know, kind of an extension of them. And... uh, it was it was a fun project because it also had a little bit of shock value with my grandmother and my mother, which mm-hmm. you know it's always fun. And uh, yeah, I think it was a really cool portrayal of three generations and how some things don't change and then other things have grown. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was my favorite project. Yeah, nice. And did you say that your um, grandfather influenced your business? Yeah. So my business name is Yellow Rose, and uh, my entire life it seemed fairly, you know, insignificant when you're small. But my grandfather always used to give my grandmother yellow roses, and um, both my grandmother and grandfather, their marriage to each other was the second marriage. And my grandfather came into my my family's life, my mom's life when she was smaller. And just was an absolute gift, an incredible father figure. So this, the yellow roses, he used to give to her all the time. And um, my grandfather passed away a number of years ago. And that was kind of something that I then took on. I would give yellow roses to my grandmother. So it's been like a nice connection for the two of them. But I also think that, you know, for us, the yellow rose symbol is very much a, a symbol of second chances and appreciation. And that's something that I think also speaks to, you know, my journey as an artist. I worked in clinical research and I was you know was in business and to kind of um, shift all of those things up and go into the arts world and very much feeling like this is my home now and that is my second chance and my appreciation so I like to bring that into my business. Wow that's really cool. So where is your grandfather your family where are they from? Well um, I mean town we're townies forever generations and Mm -hmm. generations of townies on both sides um and then but originally with Irish heritage which uh that's something that's been very influential for me um I've been involved in the Newfoundland and Labrador Rose of Chile for a number of years now and that has been an incredible opportunity for self-growth for me but also also to trace my Irish heritage right back to the communities where I where we came from so Murphy's right back to Cary Park County Cork and went there this past August for the first time which was really special for me and a really interesting connection when I got there and then um, also to Dungarvan County Waterford and got to meet the mayor when I was there uh, which was special just to be invited by him that was cool and to kind of you know see where my family comes from and then getting to travel to Ireland has been wonderful because they have very similar uh, traditions as far as craft goes and just to meet other makers who are similar to myself but who are also making in different ways in another country which is interesting um and you know i think that that's something that is interesting here in newfoundland is we are a direct extension of our ancestors and the craft that has shaped our cultures and provinces here 
is the same, is, is coming right from Ireland, but also, well, in my case, Ireland, but um, to also see small changes made, like in rug cooking in different parts of the province, um, some people use wool and then some people use scrap fabrics. And it's interesting that uh, different types of settlements are also where the two craft differences lie. So that's kind of been interesting as well to see um, around the province and then also in my travels. So how has um, your Irish heritage kind of influenced your art? You said that um, Newfoundland craft is similar to Irish. Um, Have you seen how maybe your Irish heritage has come through in your work? I mean, I think that one thing that is always a big influence in my work is family. That was kind of my first gallery show, as I said earlier, with um, my graduate work of the textile studies program. My theme was, uh, was lineage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that ties in really well because I, you know, very much believe that craft is our legacy in the province. And well, not just craft, but, you know, kind of like our intangible culture and heritage, our stories, our recipes, you know, they they speak the most to who we are as people, especially to visitors. You know, you always tell the visitors to go and have the towns and to see the makers. And those are the special touches uh, that are unique to our province. And uh, I think that textiles is such such a community of textile artists here in Newfoundland and Labrador and some people don't necessarily identify as a textile artist but what community um, can you visit in the province that doesn't have knitters and quilters and rock cookers nowhere mm-hmm. it's everywhere and um, even just like clothing being made so just the direct link of textile work is so true to, to where I come from in Ireland and it's it, it is cool to see that now um, and that I'm working in it here in Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have any other parts of your work been influenced um, by your family? Like you specifically mentioned your grandfather. Have um, your mother or your grandmother also had an impact on your work? I mean, sometimes I definitely look to them for inspiration, but um, it's also fun to kind of share with them my work and to hear stories about how they've made things in the past like my mom um, always was a maker herself and was really into embroidery and knitting when she was younger and uh, I'm a terrible knitter (laughs) but I uh, I certainly appreciate her opinion on things and when I was in this program I was trying to so desperately get my knitting samples finished and uh, she was always so wonderful and kind of trying to give me tips and how to just deal with this people think maybe that's making things is not very stressful but it is and you know I do love my work but also um you know at the end of the day you are trying to get a product finished so um it's kind of been cool to hang out with her and hear some things that she's done in the past and kind of help me get through my stresses (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so is there any type of art specifically that helps you um kind of get past stress or helps you deal with stress Uh, if I am feeling stressed even though often it is the source of my stress. I, um, a couple hours in the dye studio really does really does make me feel pretty good. Uh, but then also, you know, foraging, just being outside, that's, that's really great. And um, a good friend of mine, a couple of good friends of mine are also makers. So I think, you know, the thing is, is being able to hang out with them and make together. I also have been involved in uh, the Eastern Edge Quilt Guild, and I was very sad to leave this year because I had to, I was moving to Bonavista, so I couldn't I couldn't be in the guild anymore. But um, you know, 
Being involved in groups like that, guilds and just small makers groups, is important for makers because it keeps you forever inspired. And even though my goal in joining the guild was that I would make a quilt, um, I was always far too distracted by all the other exciting quilts and the talents in the room to ever get myself my own one done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that that is a good stress reliever is just to be making with other people and to see that where craft is going. So being in community is positive um, and art making in that way. Yeah, well. so I just, I moved to Bonavista, as I said, um, and the Bonavista Creative, Bonavista Living uh, groups that are down there right now, basically there's, you know, small businesses opening up every single year all over the place. And we have a um, ice cream and chocolate shop and then um, Treeline Fine Craft is a weaving studio and East Coast Glow, the, you know, there's lots of makers happening, lots of makers down there right now, and being a part of that community, and just kind of saying, oh goodness, the craft fair season is coming up, we are so overworked right now, we should have started earlier. It's nice mm-hmm. to sit down with somebody and realize, you know, you're not the only one in that in that situation. Right. Um, yeah, and just bounce ideas off each other, which is really great. Mm-hmm. All right, could you tell me about your work with the Craft Council? Well, uh, right now I'm on the board of directors and I am the secretary, but, you know, like the Craft Council has a lot of uh, really interesting, interesting courses and different types of membership opportunities. And one thing that has been really important in the development of my work has been um, just being guided by the Craft Council standards. So basically they have for every type of craft you can imagine that we we have in the province right now. is some sort of standard to in excellence and different types of um, I kind of consider them sometimes a bit like of challenges because you know you want to be the best that you can be and uh, the craft council standards have been important because I've I really put a look at my packaging and my tagging and little finishing techniques that really make it really professional and um, Newfoundland is world-renowned for the quality that we have uh, as makers here and you know you can see that quality every time you travel the province um and you know like i th- craft is is subjective and like what that means and it varies around the province but it's also so excellent to see makers who are striving to create um, a higher quality of their work and uh that's something that i think is crucial with the craft council and uh, has really developed an excellent next generation of makers um and as someone in those that next generation of makers, it's exciting to see the new the new type of products that are coming out that are not typical traditional Newfoundland craft. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you. Cool. All right, we are almost coming to an end, um, but can you tell us a little bit? You have a shop in Bonavista. Yes. So okay. I have this charming little pink shop in Bonavista. It is a restored historic property. And uh, I'm on 43 Church Street. It's bubblegum pink. You really can't miss it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm called Yellow Rose. And then my website is www.yellowrosemade.ca. Nice. Um, and what kind of things do you make and are available in your shop? Well, I do a lot of home decor and accessories and all natural dyes and felt. I This year, I'm hoping to expand a little bit to... Uh, to suit my male customers um, but right now I have a lot of like beautiful um, unisex and products for ladies in my shop 
So like scarves or jewelry? Scarves, jewelry, um, lots of little bits of clothing, some little everyday items like um, little pouches and clutch bags and things like that. Okay, great. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, awesome. (laughs) I'm Dale Jarvis. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a production of CHMR Radio 93.5 in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our production assistant is Tara Barrett. We would love to know what you think of the show. Leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page or tweet us at HFNLCA. Thanks for listening. <laughs>